Thanks for watching this episode of Turning to Him. I invite you to just take a few seconds right now at the beginning and subscribe to this channel so that you can get more videos like this in your feed. Thanks again. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach Batty, and this is Turning to Him. Thanks for watching this episode. I'm really excited for our guest today. Uh, I'm talking with Monica Ringer Bambro, who has one of the most amazing callings that I've ever heard of. Uh, Monica, first of all, welcome. Thanks for spending some time with me today. No problem. Happy to be here and happy to help you in any way I can. <laughs> Tell me about your calling. So I have an area calling, which means I serve under an area 70. And my husband and I are the assistant directors for the Mount Nebo Communications Council. And we're over outreach. So that means connecting with everyone in our area. So that's 18 cities. And so we have a lot of work cut out for us. That's everyone from school boards, government leaders, uh, community leaders, community influencers, interfaith, nonprofits. I mean, you name it, the list goes on. And the more we can connect with all of these people, the stronger our communities can be. Okay. So in my mind, I'm picturing you get uh, a, a notice from the area presidency or, or someone that says, hey, we have a large church event going out and we want the community to hear about it. And then it's your responsibility to spread that news. Is that how it works? It's our responsibility to spread the news, but also to invite special guests. So anyone that you might consider a VIP, right? Yes. So the leaders of many organizations, um, the nonprofits, the interfaith um, pastors, reverends, you name it um any faith leaders and then um a lot of times there's no guidance they you know what your call is and you just go and do <laughs> yeah um so i visit a lot of interfaith services and worship with them and i love doing that it gives me great insight to see what they believe but also more than anything to see how we connect and how we're the same and, um, you know, the other night I had the opportunity to also what you could call live on the streets of a homeless person. Okay. So, you know, you can go from the VIP events all the way down to li literally living on the street for a night so that you can understand how that is to be homeless um, a little bit. You're never fully going to encompass that because you're mindset is in a different place. You know, you're going to go home to a bed at night. Yeah. Um, you're not struggling with those mental disabilities that they have, but it was amazing to see the people that I would interact with if I were homeless. Um, you know, the shelters, the places that supply the food, the mental health, um, and also health care for people that live on the street. And I was able to have a conversation with a gentleman that lives on the street currently. And also a conversation with someone who used to live on the street, but now turned around and was able to help people who do live on the street. So that was an amazing process to do that for, you know, eight hours till 1 a.m. <laughs> wow. So quite a journey. So we do it all. And that way, you know, we know how, how to help people better. Oh, you know, work with this nonprofit because they can help you in this area. 
Um, and I'm grateful to work with them because they do this. Now I have, you know, firsthand experience on what's really going on. Yes. What a fantastic, uh, all-encompassing calling that you yes. have. It <laughs> is so neat. Um, okay. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, kind of a, a dinner appointment rundown, if you will. Okay. Well, I grew up in Mesa, Arizona, and I loved growing up there. Had amazing family, amazing friends, amazing community. And I'm so grateful that I got to grow up there. Um, I now live in Woodland Hills, Utah, and I have four children. And I'm expecting uh, a first grandchild within the next month. So, you know, life just keeps rolling on. And my husband and I are happy to you know, be in this calling together, but he still has another calling. So it's really my calling and he's my helper. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh. That's great. Well, congratulations yeah. on the upcoming grandchild. I hear that. Oh, that's, that's just fantastic. When you open up a new product line. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Um, okay. So you grew up in Mesa, Arizona. How big was your family? I had four brothers. Four brothers. And where are you in those brothers? I am the fourth child of the five. Fourth and, and five. so, you know, growing up with four brothers, I could hold my own. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to ask, because it seems like it can go either direction. Either you can hold your own or you were put on a pedestal. Um, I was not put on a pedestal, thank goodness. Okay. <laughs> um, yes. I'm glad, I, you know, I was just one of the children and we just all did our thing. And, um, you know, I learned to hold my own with with all the brothers and they were great. You know, even today there's, Again, still just four brothers. And so yes. we do brothers and sister weekends. <laughs> so, you know, there's not manicures involved. They, they would yes. totally do it. But it's more like, let's go hike. Let's go look at petroglyphs. <laughs> yes. You know, all, all these guy things. But it's good to get together. And so I'm absolutely grateful for them. Okay. Um, growing up, tell us, help me get a feel for... Uh, what it was like in your high school. Uh, I mean, Mesa, Arizona has, from what I understand, a pretty healthy population of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, so did you grow up, you know, being the only person in your high school or was it a pretty active youth community, a youth program? Paint that picture. So actually, I grew up at a high school with many Latter-day Saints. Um, our seminary, was just across the street off campus and it ran eight periods a day. Okay. So you had an A period. So before school even started, you had one over lunch and then you had your six periods. That's how many they needed to get all of the Latter-day Saints, you know, through there. And let's see, that was, I think, six classrooms. Yeah. As wow. Well. wow. And then when after I left, they added a second story because they needed more. And today it's still a thriving school. Um, amazing at so many things within the high school itself. They hold state in, you know, all aspects. <laughs> and yeah. it's still got a thriving LDS community. So great area, great ward, great stake. I mean, great people um, mm -hmm. and great neighbors. Not a lot of LDS neighbors. Uh -huh. So I think that's a blessing to me considering what calling on in now because yeah. I was able to go to church with all my friends and they came yep. to, you know, my church activities and 
I was able to understand how people are different, but guess what? At the end of the day, we can still be friends. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like you kind of said, when we started there, we're similar in a lot of ways. We're similar in a, in a lot more ways than we're different. Correct. So, okay. Correct. Uh, did you consider yourself an active member of the church growing up? Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, went to church every Sunday, got baptized when I was eight and I was able to make all of these choices on my own. But um, as you get to be a teenager, right? It's like, oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can make it to church today. And so at those points, you have to continue to say, okay, am I here? Am I believing? What's my plan? And my mom would always just say, oh, we missed you at church today. You know, it was never <laughs> a forcing um, yes. by any means. And um, I think continually you need to make those choices. I'm here. What do I believe? Am I going? Am I staying? And, you know, all of those choices daily help you pave the path that you're going to be on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I spoke to someone the other week about, you know, finding their why. And uh, I think that's something that sometimes we need to do at different chapters in our lives. And we need to refine our why sometimes. And sometimes the why changes and that's, that's just fine. That's, right. That's, that's part of the continual conversion. Correct. Um, was there a time, I mean, so you, you, you casually mentioned that your mom would say, Hey, we missed you at church today. So was there a time when, uh, you decided to not go to church more than you decided to go to church? And if so, no. what changed that? Um, I wouldn't say so. I think I was always more active than not active. Yeah, yeah. I was going to just be like, oh, you know, I hung out with my friends way too late. Not necessarily. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go to church. I'm going to be the stubborn daughter and, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. be fine. <laughs> sure. um, so definitely more active than ever. Less yeah. active. <laughs> so you grow up, you graduate high school. What happens? So I went to college. Okay. Um, all of the children in my family went to college. And when it came around to my time, I was like, oh, I guess that's what I do next. So here we go. Yes. <laughs> Let me find one. So I ended up going to St. George and attended Dixie College. And um, it was the greatest decision. St. George was an amazing place. Dixie College was an amazing college. And the people there, uh, friends forever, right? Um, and while there, I was able to be the activities president for the college. So planning the big events on campus and keeping the fun there. And so it was great. <laughs> okay. So you have been involved with big activities your whole life. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Um, when we were speaking before, you mentioned that at, at some point in your 20s, you took a trip to the Sacred Grove. I did. How did that how did that come to pass? So my brother and his wife and son were living in Rochester at the time. He was in uh school getting his PhD. And I was absolutely excited to say, oh, well, I got to go to Joseph Smith's farm. I got to see the sacred grove. 
And so because of the close proximity, we made that part of our plans. And, you know, when I got there, I paused outside of the grove and I just stood there. I'm like, I can't enter for whatever reason. I can't enter. It's not because of how I was living. I just knew this was the sacred grove. Am I prepared to enter the grove? Because the last story I know of the grove <laughs> is that <laughs> some, someone had a tussle with Satan and someone saw a heavenly father and Jesus Christ. And yes. I didn't know if I was ready for either of those. <laughs> right? And like, that could happen. I know it happened. Could it happen to me? I don't know. Yeah. I guess I'm not ready to step in there and find out. <laughs> so were you with a group? I was just with my um sister-in-law and her baby which is my nephew yeah yeah okay so if i'm remembering correctly and, and for anybody who's listening who hasn't been to the sacred grove we don't know the exact spot that joseph smith uh received his vision um right. and the sacred grove is pretty big i mean it's not like a, a you know like a cluster of trees that's 20 feet by 20 feet i mean it's it's a grove of trees and there are right. paths that the church has curated kind of through through them. Uh, but but it's definitely very clearly kind of this is the sacred grove and this is not the, you know, this is the, the entrance to the sacred grove. Right, right. And I paused right at the entrance. <laughs> yes. Okay. Did you ever go in? I never went in. No, okay. I stood there. I took my picture and enjoyed Joseph Smith's house and learning what happened there. Enjoyed looking at the steeples in downtown uh, because there are four different churches in the intersection of downtown. And you can see those four steeples. I have that picture hanging in my hallway because I just love that. The fact that he had to learn, he had to choose. and. That's again part of my journey with other faiths. <laughs> yes. Um, how did that affect you long term? That that question of am I ready to for either one of those potential events? Um, I really had to stop and say, why could I not enter? What was holding me back? Uh what's the purpose in this? And because I couldn't understand that at the time, it really made me start to think that I don't ever want that to happen to me again. When I come to a place that's sacred, I don't want to wait on the outside and look in. I want to be ready to just go in and say, I'm ready for anything. If I have to have a tussle with Satan, I'm going to be ready for it. And I'm going to win. Yeah. And when Christ comes again and I get to see my father, I'm not just going to walk in. I'm going to run. And yes. how do I make that happen? And so there's lots of steps that happen over a lifetime to bring you to that point because I have never had a high spike of I found my savior or I understand God better. It's always be been consistent. So mm -hmm. just an upward climb always. And because of that, it's always taking one step in. Um, I've learned to serve better. That's a step in. Um, I'm going to be a little kinder. That's one step in. 
um, understanding others' plights. That's a step in. Um, rising to my calling in the church, whatever it is, that's a step in. Um, if I have a question, searching that question, listening to things that you need to ponder, that's a step in. Because, like I said, I don't want to just walk in when the Savior returns. I want to be at the front of the line, and mm-hmm. I want to run. And several years ago, a song came out called, I Can Only Imagine, yes. by Mercy Me. And it's one of my favorite Christian songs. Yeah. And it, the first times I've heard, I heard it, it really made me get teary and think about it. I'm like, this is my process right here that I'm trying to understand. I can only imagine what it will be like when he comes again. And I'm like, I know what I want it to be like. Because I've been there looking and waiting and not understanding why I couldn't be right there. And so that song always helps it put into perspective for me that, oh, I'm going to run. I'm going to cheer. I'm going to love. I'm going to cry. I'm going to just be all into that (laughs) because I'm going to be ready. So as you had this experience, have there been other sacred groves in your life that because you had that first experience, you then felt more prepared to where you could say, I I can enter this sacred grove now. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think every experience in my life has prepared me to step in. Um, because I had that experience and I had that moment to readjust and say, why? That was just a really weird thing. Why? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't ever want to have that happen again. It's kind of like um, you could say the lanterns, right? Did you did you have your oil? You couldn't enter. Um, I was completely worthy to enter, but I but not prepared for whatever reason. Yeah. And so that was kind of my story of do I have my oil? <laughs> um, what's going to prepare me to never have that happen again? So um, you know. If my children decide to get married in the temple, and I'm, am I going to be ready to step in? If I get yes. a calling, am I going to be ready to step in? Um, you know, as a as a teacher to my children, to my grandchildren, whoever else comes along, am I prepared to step into that and help and guide them to also be ready to step in? Um, I mean, there's a lot of layers to that. <laughs> yeah, you know, one thing that I always think is is interesting. And I think we have to walk a thin line because certainly, uh, we don't aspire to any calling. Um, and we understand that a a call to serve is, um, an opportunity to grow and to learn and that kind of stuff. And so we don't, we don't climb the ladder in the church. There is no ladder to climb in the church. Um, that being said, I always think it's a good mental exercise of whenever a, we, you know, you know that a new bishop is going to be called soon, or a new relief society president, or a new stake primary president, or or whatever it is. I always like to say, if I got called to that, which I know I'm not going to, but if I get called to that, am I ready to step in? Or, okay, I just got called to that. What's the first thing that goes through my mind? What well, I should probably stop watching that TV show. I bet you a stake president wouldn't watch that TV show. <laughs> Well, then I should probably stop watching it right now. There's no, there, why would I wait for a calling to do that? And I, oh, for sure. 
you know, and that, as you're having this conversation, it makes me think of those things. What what is stopping us? And are there things that we can do in our lives to help really tactically say, am I ready to step into the sacred? What, what's the next thing? Right. You know, when uh, I was expecting my last child, I was bedridden. And, you know, I had certain TV shows that I absolutely loved. Yes. But when you can only watch television for three months and do nothing else, <laughs> um, I think that automatically cues you watching television ever again. Yes. And um, that was such a blessing in my life for that reason. I no longer had to watch the shows that I loved. and. I didn't have the desire to see what was coming on next or, you know, the mm-hmm. things get sucked into with television. Um, so to this day, I don't have to have a problem with watching this television show or that television show because I had that blessing given to me before I needed it. Sure. Um, sure. So instead of complaining about it, I'm like, well, look at this gift I got from that hardship. Yeah. And I think every time we have a hardship, we need to find one thing. And that's not always easy. Um, you know, I was so sick. I, I couldn't do anything. And I'm like, well, I got to find something good while I'm in the middle of this. And the, the first thing I and only thing I could think of at the time was, well, at least my toes are really clean. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not out in the yard. I'm not in the dirt. I'm doing nothing. My toes are clean. And yes. so, you know, you have to start with something small when you're in those hard times that just can carry you through like, okay, that's a blessing. I'm, I'll take it. And once I was through it, then the bigger blessing was, you know what? I don't have this desire anymore. And it's always been my process to say, I don't want to be addicted to anything. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't want anything to have pull over me. And I had that thought one day and I'm just like, you know what? I really love my diet Coke. When I go out to dinner, (laughs) I gotta have my diet Coke. And I'm like, that's to me was kind of like an addiction, right? If it's something I have to have and I really crave, then that's probably not a good thing. And so I was like, you know what? I'm done. I don't, I don't need that. It's, I love it. It's yummy when I wanted it, but I don't need it. So yeah, let that go. And so just these little things, um, I'm not saying that drinking Diet Coke isn't going to let you step in. <laughs> sure. But for me, it's just like, okay, if it's somewhat of an addiction, I'm just going to pass it along, pass it down the road because I don't want anything to control me in any form. Yeah. And, and I love that because, um, you know, I talk about that with my kids, you know, specifically about soda pop or things like that. Like, look, there's nothing wrong with having a diet Coke. Let's be very clear on this. Caffeine is not part of the word of wisdom right. ever. Right. It's, it's the addiction part. If you have, I, you know, I always say, look, I don't care if it's, I have to have a diet Coke or I have to have a bowl of fruity pebbles. If you right. have to have something, that's an addiction and right. you should probably not be a slave to that. Oh, absolutely. Let's just make sure that, uh, you know, we're, we're in control of ourselves. Um, you know, another thing that you said that I always find interesting is that each of us are wired a different way. 
And you described your growth path as just kind of a steady incline, which I think is fantastic. And I think that we oftentimes underestimate the growth that can happen in a slow, steady incline. Uh, Because the other half of us are wired perhaps to have radical growth and then and then radical doubts and just the the i'm trying to remember what my math teacher would say the amplitude of the curves or whatever you know however that works yeah are just very extreme hopefully they're still pointed up um but you know i often think nobody tells amazing stories about those who are just slow and steady yeah. you know the Nobody, nobody goes to watch the tortoise run the race. Everybody goes right. to watch the hare run the race. Right. Um, so if you happen to be the slow and steady person, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Keep going one I step think, at a time. Yeah. I think there's peace in the little steps. Yes. Um, there's no heavy turmoil. Um, if I have questions, I look for answers in various places um you know you can hear a lot from the prophets you can hear a lot from general presidencies um you can read a lot in the scriptures right a lot you can learn a lot from the spirit but if we're going so fast in this world these days that we don't have time to pause we're not going to hear any of it yeah and i think that's what gives us the opportunity to take a deep plunge um like I had told you, you know, when I was expecting my my last child, um, I got sick. And that carried on even after he was born. For whatever reason, that pregnancy affected my body. And it just didn't function at the strength that it ever had. And it became more apparent to me that I had to focus on the most important things. There's a lot mm-hmm. of things I had to let slide. You know, I'm no longer going to run the mountain. I'm not going to hike the mountain. I'm not going to be at the gym. My body cannot do those things. Yeah. But when you can no longer do what you used to do, you do the most important things. So that's. Was that in a general conference talk recently? You no, know, you know, it's so crazy. That was my own thought process. I'm like, I can't do these things. So what can I do? I can do yes. the important things. And then just a few months ago, I heard that um, Elder Hales had said that. Yes. I'm like, oh, wait, I do that. That's <laughs> fine. He's like, here. And so I was like, okay, then, then what I'm thinking is right. You know? Yes. Two people have thought that same thing. Um, So the energy I had, I had to put into things that would grow me in different ways because I couldn't grow like I used to grow. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to put my time and effort to the things that were going to progress, you know, with me in this life. And that was serving others, serving my family doing my best in my callings. And I've had some heavy callings that I'm like, there's no way I can do this. And I absolutely know 100% without a doubt that it is because 
Christ was with me that whole time, pushing me, carrying me, making it all work out so that everything I was involved in could still be successful because, you know, I'm serving him. He's going to make it happen. Yeah. Make it happen every time, especially when I'm focused on him. I'm willing to serve him. Um, And, you know, that's a time you could say of hardship for a long time, but in that hardship, you can still take steps in, right? Yeah. Don't step out. Keep stepping in because he's there with you along that whole path. He's going to bring you to the front of the line, right? So you're ready. Yes. Um, and I think too often in struggles, we step back instead of keep moving forward and, and relying on him because you'll make it through. You'll always mm-hmm. make it through. For how long were you sick? Oh, still there. Okay. Still there, 13 years. 13 years. This is something that you've struggled with and, and lived with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What has helped you make decisions of what am I going to spend my energy on and what can I not? I just don't have the energy to spend that on anymore. What helped you make those choices? Um, it just all came down to importance. Um, you know, simple things like writing the Christmas cards every year kind of had to fall down the way, right? Okay. It's important, but is it the most important? I love my friends, love my family, but that's not where my energy is best suited in my mm-hmm. life. Um, but I can help with a coat drive and I can bless, you know, 200 homeless people. That to me is more important than the Christmas card. Yeah. Um, so just finding ways to bless people. There's never been a year where I haven't been able to do something to serve. And he always makes it happen. I can always have the energy to serve because, you know, I'm his hands. It's going to make it happen. Um, the things you could say of the world, and there's so many new things coming up all the time, right? that you could dive into, follow, um, spend your money on, that's just not important to me. Um, those things will not go with me. And all the experience I experiences I have from serving and, and working with others and relationships, those things I'll have with me forever. And this is just a kind of a side note from my experience of living on the street for that night. Um, I went with no makeup on. I put my hair in a bun. I dressed warm. And I tried to just kind of get rid of everything that might look extra. Mm -hmm. But when we went to the church for the homeless um, that exists so that the homeless can come in and worship the savior as well as on really cold nights there, they can come in and watch a movie. They can be warm. They can sleep if they want, but it's not a shelter because that's a whole nother list of rules. (laughs) So they have to have certain guidelines. 
So we were able to go there and see what they do. But while there, I was like, oh my goodness, they have a restroom. I'm going to take advantage of this. I was wondering how this would happen, right? Um, So I went in there and I noticed that I had my pearl earrings on. I was like, oh, this is really out of place. But when I left that church, I was kind of recording the side of the building and someone stepped out of the shadows and started talking to me. So I turned off my phone and I started talking with, um, let's just say Mr. D (laughs) and understanding his story. And because he stopped me, I'm of course going to engage with him. I'm not just going to ignore him, but the rest of the group continued to walk. So, you know, there it is 1030 at night. I'm in the dark (laughs) in this section of heavy homeless people. And I stopped to pause and talk to him. And he said, you know, I'm giving up my bed tonight because I think there's probably other people that need it more than I do. They're maybe sicker or older. And so I'm going to sleep on the street tonight. And in that moment, I was just like, what a heart. Would I ever do that? I don't know if I would. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? I'm glad I wore my earrings tonight because it's just a reminder that they were there. And I thought I'd give up these earrings for this conversation any day. I'd give up this thing for this real moment of connection, which is more important than all of these things that are coming at us. And so I absolutely have energy for that given to Mm. me all the time. What's the thing that surprised you most about uh, that, that you've learned in this calling? this unique experience that you have? Oh, there's a lot to do. A lot to do. A lot of people to connect with, a lot of people to touch, a lot of people to understand and who also need to understand us. Um, it's always interesting to me when someone says, we can't work with other churches because we believe differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, well, I'll serve you any day you need help. (laughs) I'll do whatever you need. Um, so that's one thing I don't understand. We're all God's children for the most part. Um, most of the religions that I work with are Christian. So we all believe in Jesus Christ and you might believe differently, but let's, let's all play together and be nice then we can do so much more when we're united let's let's do it let's go <laughs> and you yeah. know it always comes down to me um understanding the first and greatest commandment and for me i always phrase it this this way love god love people you know let's make it simple and that simple and yeah. so i'm not here to judge i'm not here to preach that's not my call. I'm here to serve. I'm here you to unite. I'm here to help you in any way you need help. And that's for any organization, not just interfaith. And um, so obviously I'm going to learn something new every time I talk to someone. But uh, in my growth, that helps me so that I can teach other others and they can also grow. Yeah. Well, it's interesting um, going back to your comment about how sometimes people feel like, well, I can't, I can't help another faith. Um, 
and and I guess I I understand the confusion around that because you know perhaps someone feels like well look I don't I don't want to um I have to I have to stay true to my conviction I have to stay true to who I am and the, and the covenants that I've made and preaching the gospel and 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 we firmly believe unapologetically that we are the only true church that we have the authority to perform the essential ordinances that Christ has has prescribed uh but we see repeatedly example and over and over and over again from of course the scriptures from the prophet and apostles and general leadership of the church recited general presidency primary general presidency that our ability to serve should have no bounds. We don't just serve members of the church. We don't just serve Christians and we don't just serve people who like us or respect us. We will serve anybody and we will work with anybody. You know, I always love that, that, you know, we say how much we work with the red cross and the red crescent. And, (laughs) uh, I think it was, uh, I can't, I can't remember who. And so I won't guess, but there was a great fireside about, uh, getting to know our Muslim brothers and sisters. And, uh, you know, I just think that's, that's so important for us to remember. Right. And it, and it's not just our Muslim brothers and sisters. I think we've all heard stories of our friends of other faiths not being accepted by families that are LDS. And we've done a huge disservice to that friendship, to our church, to them as a human being. Um, that should never be a reason to not let your children play with someone. Yeah, yeah. You, you lose that on so many opportunities for growth, for amazing friendships. Um, again, you're not here to convert them. I don't think they're really there to convert you either. <laughs> So why can't we just not go along together? Um, you know, the Savior lived in many places that none of us would ever go. And these people are nowhere near that. But yet we're afraid to step in. Mm. Why are we afraid to step in? They're just our humans. They're brothers and sisters, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> yeah. why, can't, yeah. why can't we just love? What do you think, because uh, I mean, it's, it's one thing, it's it's very easy for us to, for, for you and I to sit in our comfortable chairs and have this conversation of, hey, this is how we should all behave. Uh, what What's one thing that you feel like, especially with your observations being very active in the community and in, in the church public relations, what's something that you wish just every member of the church could do? Or, or should do um, just to make a public relations job significantly easier? Hmm. Um, I think the answer to almost everything goes back to that simple phrase, love God, love people. Mm-hmm. If you're loving God, you're going to be so much better as a neighbor, right? As a community member, um, as a church member, <laughs> Um, when you love people, you know, hopefully you're going to start with yourself and then extend that to everyone around you. And when you're doing that, you're going to do so much 
more good in the world. And um, in my busy days, <laughs> I'm still busy, but different. Um, yes. I always told myself that if I was too busy to help a friend or help a neighbor, then I was too busy. Mm. Are we so busy with the things of life that we don't have time to look at others, to pause and help others, to volunteer our time? There's so many nonprofits out there that need our help. They need volunteers. They need you to organize service projects. They need you to step into service projects. And justserve.org has lists and lists, depending on where you live, of opportunities of ways to serve. Because sometimes you just need something small. Sometimes you need something large. And it has it all. And in my previous calling, we did two service projects a year. One would usually be small and uh, with a nonprofit. The other would usually be interfaith because we need to teach our children at a young age to love other people and to serve. If you start when they're in young women's and young men's or for heaven's sake, you know, heaven forbid that it starts in Relief Society and Priesthood. We're a little too late. <laughs> so if we can ingrain these amazing traits into our children, we'd have a different world. They'd see other people differently. They'd be more willing to look at people in a in a better light. Like, oh, oh, I already know them. I've served with the Catholics. I've served at the Krishna temple. I, mm -hmm. I learned about what the Krishna temple teaches in their services. Um, I think those are gifts that we can give to our children. So as they grow, they're just more welcoming, more loving, more accepting of others. Um, and I help, think it helps them build their own inner strengths of what they believe as well. So let's build that young. Yeah. Let them think through that when they're young. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, <clears throat> if I If I can put you on the spot here as we're wrapping up, would you, I would love to hear your testimony. That is on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So where do you begin? I'm just so grateful. I don't know where I'd be without my Savior Jesus Christ and knowing that I'm a child of God. Um, I think so many in the world lack that knowledge. And that makes it hard for them to understand who they are, where they're going what they're meant to be, um, what is their value, what is their worth in this world, that's something that is so vital if we can teach our children that no matter what religion we are, if you believe in God, teach them that they're a child of God and their value. Um, and I'm grateful for their their experiences that they give me good and bad. And that I can always turn to them and look for knowledge. And I have people sur that surround me that I can turn to to get that as well. And I'm grateful for that experience I had when I was 20, where I couldn't step in. So I could understand that I needed to understand why I couldn't step in and change that so that I'd always step in. 
and always step closer so that when the Savior comes again, I'm ready. I'm there. I'm running. I'm crying. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, I think too often we make that moment feel like it's just going to be spiritual. But I think it's going to be more than that. I think that there's going to be so much excitement in that if we're ready. And and I'm ready for that excitement. Um, I think so many people are ready for that excitement. And we're blessed. I think anyone that believes in Jesus Christ and a, and a God above, I think they're blessed. And I wish that for everybody. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.